following program contains mature content matter. Listener discretion is advised. Giant Monster Productions presents an original episodic series from Antonio and Enzo Ferrara. Tales of Monster Hunters podcast. Volume 1, Issue 10. The Hunters of Spring Falls. Reading a passage from the Book of the Monster Hunters, entered by Mo Langston. October 14, 1947. City of Manchester, UK. I was summoned to my father's home in the middle of the night. Once I arrived, I was met downstairs by a woman I thought to be a nurse, but soon realized she was a friend of my dad's. She told me she did not have much time left, and I had to listen very carefully to what it was he was going to tell me and to do everything he told me. Our first story begins in the late 1800s in the very small town of Spring Falls, Ontario. Evil has lurked here long before the town and its surrounding area was settled by Tobias Roundwood. Unexplained accidents and mysterious disappearances as well as mutilated livestock never ever being solved. Then, on that fateful evening, Samuel Jefferson Hill was walking to his still, suddenly stopping when he heard noises coming from the chicken coop. Samuel sprinted to the barn, and when he got there, he saw a werewolf attacking his chickens. Mistaking the beast to be a coyote, Samuel grabbed a shovel, which had a silver blade, and impaled it into the chest of the werewolf, killing it on contact. As the werewolf howled and slumped to the ground, Samuel was shocked to see the werewolf transform back into his neighbor, Gus Mittem. Confused, and still in a state of disbelief, Samuel began to research just what it was he had killed. When he learned what he had killed, he began to suspect that there may be more than just one werewolf in Spring Falls that has been responsible for what's been happening. Knowing people would call him crazy for what he discovered, he set out on his own to hunt the werewolves that were plaguing Spring Falls and soon realized that there were other monsters about. Samuel began to keep a journal along with the drawings of all the monsters that he had encountered and how to kill them. But Samuel began to realize he could not do the hunting alone, and soon brought his cousin Lester on the hunts after he had killed the vampire that had been killing Lester's cows. Samuel had become the silent defender of Spring Falls, and knew there would always have to be someone on guard to protect the town and its surrounding areas. This job would soon fall to his and Lester's sons and be passed down from generation to generation, right up to Jerry Lee Hill, who now lays on his deathbed. On a cold November night, the eighth day of the month, 2009, Jerry Lee is faced with the burden of having to pass on the mantle to his idiot sons, Jebediah and Jethro. Shall I call the boys, Jerry Lee? (coughs) I don't know if I can do this here, Nova. You have no choice in the matter, Jerry Lee. The mantle must be passed on to them before you die. They aren't ready to do this. They can hardly take care of themselves. They will learn. <laughs> These two idiots will get themselves killed the moment they come across a monster. You have told me yourself the two of them are good hunters. Sure, hunting the animals. Hunting is hunting. They have inherited your abilities. The only thing these two pinwheels have inherited is the ability to get into trouble. They will not fail. I will train them myself. May end up just killing them. Trust me, Jerry Lee. Any you I don't trust, 
Suddenly, they hear a loud crash from outside the room. Damn it, that sounds like the grandfather clock in the hall. <laughs> Please, Jerry Lee, you must not get overexcited. We now hear a knock at the door. Enter. Paul, we sorry. Jeff was out there telling people I wasn't good enough to eat with pigs. Other folks were saying that. I was just telling them as you were. <laughs> oh, you find that amusing, eh, your little brother? Jeb attacks Jethro, and the two begin to roll around on the hardwood floor. Jerry Lee sits up, looks at Nova, then over at his sons, who continue to fight. Enough, you jackals! This is not gonna work! What ain't gonna work, Paul? Jerry Lee sighs, then motions to Nova, who hands Jerry Lee the book she was holding. What you doing with that book, Spotter? It's a picture book, stupid! I bet Paul wants to read it to us. This here picture book is the salvation of spring fall. Sal, who? I think he said Sam Nation. Now why is he talking about the gun shop in town? We knows where it is. Can we focus? I don't have as much time left before I has to leave. Where's you going, Paul? To the great beyond. The great beyond? Where's the great beyond? You big dummy. Paul's talking about taking a trip to the big city. Ain't that right? I'm not a dummy. Use a dummy. Suddenly, the two begin to fight again as Jerry looks at his sons, then at Nova. Why is death punishing me? Nova picks up Jerry Lee's shotgun that is leaning against the closet door, then walks towards the open window and fires off a shot. The brothers stop fighting and look over at her. Your father needs to speak with you boys, so pay attention. Or else I will use this gun on you two next. You idiots may or may not know this, but evil lurks in Spring Falls. Huh? Evil? What you talking about, Paul? Monsters, Jebediah. Monsters are real. Monsters? Did, did you say monsters? What types of monsters is you talking about, Paul? Werewolves, swamp creatures, vampires, and mummies. These are the other monsters of plague Spring Falls long before Tobias Underwood founded this here town. And just how do you know about these monsters here, Paul? My great-great-granddaddy Samuel Jefferson Hill was the first Hill to discover these evils and began to hunt them, becoming the silent protector of Spring Falls. Since then, the mantle of Monster Hunter has been passed down through the Hill family. Jerry now opens the book. This book details every hunt and every monster has ever been hunted along with House to kill them. Jerry Lee hands the book to Jeb, who is quickly mauled by Jethro, who wants to get a look at what is inside. Nova cocks the gun again, which quickly gets the attention of the two. Jeb pulls away from his younger brother and begins to look inside, while Jethro looks over his shoulder. This is your birthright, you boys. You must protect Spring Falls at all costs when I'm gone. These monsters are really scary looking, boss. If I see any of these, I'll shoes runs away. Carson, you will. You runs away if you see your own shadow. Says you, Jebs. You can all scare the moments a woman wants the commitments from you. Jeb suddenly goes at Jethro and the two begin to fight again. How do you expect these two idiots to hunt monsters if they can't even stop fighting amongst themselves? Leave that to me. Nova suddenly cocks the shotgun again. Your pa won't be around to train you boys in the ways of monster hunting. 
So, in his place, I will train you. <laughs> really? You little lady is gonna show us how fight monsters? Oh, you don't think I am up to the task because I am a woman? Little lady, I think you's up to the task of going down and cooking me some dinner. So as if you's finished, why don't you just run on down to the kitchen down yonder and rustle up some vittles. And me, I'm hungry too, Jeb. Death, anytime, I'm ready. Uh, Jeb, before I go and fix you some vittles, let's just see if I would be able to take you down. Well, all right then, but don't you go complaining about your pride after I was done, and you still have to go down and rustle us up some vittles. Mm. Jeb begins to walk towards Nova with a big smile on his face while his father and brother look on and is about to grab her when Nova suddenly grabs him and takes him down to the floor. Before he knows what hit him, Nova now looks over at Jethro, who's looking down at his brother, Jeb. How about you, Jethro? You think I got what it takes to train you? You can transfer me to cluck like a chicken if you want. Come over here quick, boys. I don't have much time left. <laughs> Jethro helps Jeb to his feet, and they both rush over to their father's bedside. The fate of Spring Falls is in your hands. Don't let me down. We won't, Paul. Good now. I have one more thing to give you boys before I go. Really, Paul? Jeb asks, as himself and his brother lean in towards their father. Jerry Lee now slaps his sons before he lays back and dies. Jerry Lee, I will honor your memory and keep my promise to you. I will turn these two into monster hunters. <laughs> Those are mighty fine words, Miss Nova. Goddamn fucking sucker. Jethro now goes at Jeb as Nova turns to look at the two and groans loudly. Oh, I promise. I will do my best to train them, Jerry Lee. But don't think of it as any disrespect to your memory if I have to kill them. Present day, we find Jeb and Jethro running through the woods towards their pickup truck. <laughs> I'm running as fast as I can, Jeb! Wait, you could have fooled me! What the hell? The two finally reach their truck and stop as they bend over, ready to throw up. How in the hell did a, a peaceful damn a fishing for some crappy turn into worst damn out loud? I don't know, Jeff. Suddenly, they both hear the monster growling in the distance where they were fishing. This is bad, little brother. I, I know, Jeff. This is bad. Not only do we have this monster to deal with now, we have another problem as well. What's that? I've left the transistor radio pod gifted right down by the lake. What are you saying, Jeff? You want us to go back and fetch it? That is exactly what I was saying, little brother. But if we goes back, the monsters will drag us into the lake and surely kills us. Not if we and kills it first, ye of little faith. What are your plans on doing that, Jebs? Forgives me, Paul, for what we is about to do. 
What are, you, what are you seeing, Jeff? That transistor radio, that's gonna help us kill that fucking monster. How? When that dong-gone monster goes back into the lake, he picks up the radio, tosses it after him, and zip! Kills him and shocks him right there and then. But why don't we toss it in right away? We don't know if the monster's gone back in yet, little brother. If it hasn't gone back into the lakes yet, how is he going to lower it in there? Jeb lights up his pipe and thinks for a moment before an idea hits him. That's easy. One of us will wade into the water holding the radio over our heads, shaking it, yelling, and making lots of noise. This will automatically lure that monster right back into the water. Once he's in there, we drop the radio, zap, and it kills it. Finito, done. But once we get zapped as well as the monsters? No, dummy. Soon as the monster goes into the lake, we drop the radio, swim back to shore, and gets out of the water just before it zaps the monster. If one of us is going in the lake. Hmm. Well, seeing as today is Sunday, and yesterday I took my bath for the week, or was it for the month? Ah, doesn't make a difference. Seeing our eyes already clean and been in the water already at least once this week, I assume that you should be going in and doing this since you haven't taken a bath yet. But tonight is my bath day, Jibs. Jethro, why is you trying to rule my plans? Does you want to kill this monster or not? Yes. Then you just turn your heart around, march back towards that lake. We got us one big ugly fucking monster to kill. Jeb and Jethro begin to walk back towards the lake as Jethro keeps an eye out for the monster. Once they reach there, Jeb picks up the transistor radio and hands it to Jethro, who now walks into the lake and then turns to look at his brother. Okay, Jethro, okay. Stop making some funny noises. Draw that monster back towards you. What kind of noises should I make? I don't know. Noises that attract monsters, stupid. Jethro begins to make animal noises when, to his shock, he sees the monster walking towards the lake. Jebediah, the monster is coming! Jeb turns to see the monster, then rushes over and leans down next to the truck. Okay, just stick to the pan, little brother. You'll be fine. But Jeb... For the love of God, Jethro, just do it. The sooner we get this done, the quicker we can get back and you can start dinner. Jethro looks towards the monster that has now walked into the lake and is slowly approaching Jethro, who is backing away. Holding the transistor radio above his head, Jeb hears Jethro scream and the sound of electricity and the screams of the monster. Jeb gets to his feet and then runs towards the lake and stops. Jethro! Jethro! Where are you, boy? Jeb continues to call out, but gets no answer, then sees Jethro's hat floating on top of the water. Oh, Jethro! You poor brave soul! Why did I make you go out and do this? Why, God? <laughs> Fear not, brave little brother. This will not have been called in vain. I swear this to you. What are you talking to, Jebs? Jeb turns and sees Jethro standing behind him. Dang damn it, Jethro Hill! Of all the lowest things one person could have done to another, this is the lowest thing you could have ever done. 
What did I do, Jebs? I did kill the lake monster. Why, I should just turn around, walk away, and leave you here to see if there's any other monsters in this here lake. Oh, Jeb, please don't do that. I promise I'll, I'll never nearly die again, okay? Okay, but don't you go on thinking this is some type of weakness. You understand that? Don't you ever? Yes, big brother. I can't understand you, Jethro, how you go on and do something like that. Something as selfish as that. Now, just think about this. Who's going to cook dinner for me and wash the dishes? Sorry, Jeb. Don't be sorry, turkey neck. Just don't be selfish. Gotta stop thinking about yourself and stop thinking about your big brother. Yes, Jeb. All right, Stan. Before we go home, we have to stop over there at uh, Grover's Field Farms. Why's that? Why? Chuck needs some gas. You did bring the siphon holes, right? It's in the back where it usually is. I hasn't touched it since the last time we needed gas. As the two continue to walk, Jethro hears rustling from behind the trees and stops. He turns to look and now sees another monster beginning to walk towards them. Jeb! Jeb! Mind the hell is you yelling bullhorn? I standing right in front of you! Jeb, it's another monster's! Jeb turns to look behind him and sees the approaching monster. Great day in the morning! Run! Both brothers now begin to run off as the monster gives chase. You think it's bad I killed the other monster? <laughs> Hold on! Why don't we just... Stop and ask it! Do you think you're gonna run it? I ain't too sure about outrunning that monster, Jethro! Boy, I hate to outrun you! Run! Huh? What do you mean you only have to outrun me, Jeb? Jeb? Our second story begins up in Tuxedo City. Grim awakes 24 hours later in their new body to begin serving their punishment. Rising slowly, they look around the small bedroom they're in and then walk towards the mirror and stop when they see the body that they've been placed in. Looking in the mirror, they see a pretty female of average height with short raven black hair and brown eyes. Bloody hell. They actually did it. They sent me back. But not into the body of a man, but a woman's body. I'm a blooming woman now! Grim looks on top of the dresser at a red wallet and opens it up. They pull out the driver's license and sees the name Scarlet Quinn. Grim looks at the age and notices that they're 36 years old, being born October 2nd, 1987. The address on the license reads 3082 Manning Street, apartment 717. Grim sees a debit card with the pin number stuck to it with a sticky note, 0000, along with a couple hundred dollars. Oh, she wrote her pin number down. Please don't tell me she was this dim when she was alive. At that moment, loud metal begins to play from the unit next door. I might be getting that ten years tacked on sooner rather than later. If whoever it is keeps playing that rubbish. Taking a deep breath, they walk away from the mirror and then out of the bedroom and realizes they have to go to the bathroom. Oh, this I did not miss. This is gonna take some getting used to. Sit, not stand. After relieving themselves, Grim walks out of the bathroom towards the kitchen and looks around the small area. They step towards the cupboards and find food 
dishes and pots and pans, and then walks out into the kitchen towards the living room, and sees that it is fully furnished with the 55-inch TV mounted to the wall. They turn to look down at the coffee table for their remote, and suddenly stop when they look at the small picture frame. They pick it up and see Scarlet in the photo with a tall man taken in front of the Leviathan ride at Canada's Wonderland. Those bloody wankers! Grim puts the photo down and grits their teeth. They put me into someone else's body who actually had some sort of meaningful life. Grim groans when another thought hits them. That means I most likely have a job I need to go to. Bloody hell! Grim looks back at the man in the photo. <sighs> at least he's cute. And sex was one of the few things I enjoyed when I was alive. I've just got to remember I've got different bits. Do we live together? What's his name? Ooh. <laughs> at least she's a bit of a looker. Grim thinks long and hard, and then curses as their mood suddenly changes. Really? Really? They, they couldn't even leave me her damn memories! Grim slumps to the floor. This is my own fault. I have no one else to blame but myself. What day is it? Where do I even work? On what days do I even work? And what do I even do at this job? My... Her phone. That should have answers for me. Grim heads back to the bedroom, having seen the phone on the dresser, and picks it up. Instead of entering the passcode, Grim presses their thumbprint to unlock the phone, and sees there are two new text messages. The first is a message from Brent, telling her they need to take a break. Frowning, they look at the next message, and see it is from Dane. The message says, feel better. See you when you get back. So, she apparently wasn't feeling well. So she had to pass away in this apartment, which would explain why no one else knew she had died. But how long has she been dead for? Grim opens the phone contacts and is relieved to see that Scarlet had all her contacts in different categories. They open the work category and notice the name Dixon Logistics. Bloody hell, I, I work in a blooming warehouse. Didn't this girl have any self-respect for herself? Great. Crappy job. No boyfriend, which means no sex. We're off to a great start. <sighs> Wonder if she even owns a car. <sighs> why, it's why would I need a car for? I can still go wherever I want, just by thinking about wherever it is I need to be and snapping my fingers. But I have a feeling I can only use my powers of teleportation for when I need to collect souls. I'm sure that spiteful little wanker will chalk on ten more years each time I teleport myself anywhere that's not job-related. <sighs> Miserable git. Suddenly, two small flashes of white appear in front of them, revealing two white orbs the size of ping-pong balls. No rest for the wicked. Duty calls. Grim takes both orbs into their hand and looks at all the information on the soul that they're collecting. The first ball tells them that they had a hit-and-run victim in Detroit at 10.30 p.m., Lou Fields. The next ball tells them 9.35 p.m., Brenda Ryerson chokes to death inside the Pizza Guy's Pizzeria, right here in Tuxedo City. Grim eyes the ball a moment longer, then gets to their feet, as both balls disappear now. Hmm. Pizza. I could go for a pizza. Grim walks towards the front door, and then exits the apartment. Their next stop, the Pizza Guy's Pizzeria. 
to be continued. You have been listening to Tales of the Monster Hunters podcast. Created by Antonio and Enzo Ferrara. Directed and produced by Antonio and Enzo Ferrara. Cover art by Enzo Ferrara. Written by Antonio Ferrara. This issue starred Enzo Ferrara as Jeb. Paul Siliphant as Jethro. Roy Loader as Jerry Lee Hill. Roberta Jackson as Nova. And Ashley Tyler as Grimm. Narrated by Alexander Ferrara. Editing and music by Alexander Ferrara. Coming on Monday, July 31st, 2023. Tales of the Monster Hunters podcast, issue 11. Back from the Dead. This presentation of Tales of the Monster Hunters podcast has been brought to you by Giant Monster Productions. Copyright 2023. To contact Giant Monster Productions, email them at giantmonsterprod at hotmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Giant Monster Pro and on Instagram at Tales of the Monster Hunters. If you have enjoyed this podcast and want to hear more, please subscribe, like, and favorite so you never miss an episode. Thank you for listening.